Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to No Hot Smoke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Mfan. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening, and I will say off the jump that I have something to report back to you guys. You guys are going to be really super excited about it. No, 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 no. That's not getting excited. I don't have a mystery celebrity waiting to hop on the mic. So let me not, let me disappoint you guys. For those of you guys that are like, oh, I wonder what she has to say. Maybe it's not as, you know, that dramatic. However, I think it's, you know, something, something of substance. But before we jump off the show today, here I am using 90s terminology, jump off. Those of you that are not live, that didn't live in the 90s, meaning you were above the age of five in the 90s, jump off. Yeah, it was something we said. Kick up, which means like, let me start things off, kick things off. There's my uh, scholastic moment in uh, cultural vernacular for you. Anyway, but before we kick off the show today, I want to thank today's sponsor, SED. And SED is short for Society for Africans in Diaspora. Now, SED is a nonprofit based in the United States in Houston, Texas, and they are committed to fostering mutual understanding and strengthening partnerships among people. Now, people meaning Africans and non-Africans. So people, leaders, and institutions uh, in Africa and in the United States where they're based. Why is it so important that SED is doing this? I love that SED is doing this because SED embodies a quote that I heard that was spoken by the late Golden Rule Jones of Toledo, Ohio. And he used to say, what I want for myself, I want for everyone. And said has captured this, the essence of this quote in all the things that they do from their library to their community events to the award shows that they host, they've captured the essence of wanting the good life for everyone. And, you know, they accomplish it through, you know, their strategic partnerships. And at the end of the day, right, we Africans, I say we Africans, because uh, I'm speaking mostly to an African audience, but we Africans are, we're all, we're all one. Yes, we were carved out into colonial, we were carved out into countries by colonial powers that didn't understand the culture, nor, nor did they want to understand the culture. But I digress. That failure doesn't have to define an entire continent unless we actually allow it to. And so said is actually actively seeking to bring all members of the African diaspora together in such a beautiful way. They actually see the types of events that they host. They're very, very nice community events. And they're very active in the Houston community. So they do events not just for Africans, but for the community at large. Now, granted, let me stop because <laughs> I can go on and on and on and on and on about said. But then I would just cut into the show and I would never get the chance to tell you guys what I wanted to tell you guys in the first place. So that brings me to, let me just segue smoothly, right? Not, not so smoothly, but attempting to segue smoothly into what brings about today's show so let's see as you guys know as most of you guys know right this platform the platform of this show is highlighting what african diasporans are doing to shed a positive light on the motherland 
bring a positive light, bring certain issues to light and just make positive changes uh, to the motherland. And naturally, you know, with it, it means all things African. So clothes, food, you know, way of life, you know, it's it's endless, right? Through stories, but it's just so endless. So I was supposed to go to Nigeria last year uh, with a organization. They're African Youth and Young Adults, Ayaya for short, and they do service trips in Nigeria. One of the ways they're shedding positivity to the motherland and they do a service trip and they focus mostly on orphanages. Now I couldn't attend due to work. So I had to postpone my trip. So I postponed my trip. Trip was supposed to be in May. And let me tell you guys, May in Nigeria, quite frankly, it's not the most delightful time to be in Nigeria. It's rainy season. Okay. And this part of the country where they're going to be at, when it rains, it pours and when it pours it floods so and where there's rain there are mosquitoes so (laughs) I live my parents live in Phoenix Arizona or they live in a suburb outside of Phoenix and when there's a little bit of rain the mosquitoes just come out so you don't need standing water for mosquitoes apparently just need some kind of water uh even your leaves will do but that's a whole different story so I was supposed to go and battle with the mosquitoes and battle with the flooding during the service trip. And of course, the great accommodation, so on and so forth. But I had to postpone because of work. And so I said to myself, okay, if I'm not going to be going in May, I am going to do a service trip the next time I decide to go to Nigeria, which was in October. Now, <laughs> let me tell you guys how delusional I was. I was like, you know, I'm going to do a small service trip. And I just had these big grand plans. And I was going to host an event. And it was going to benefit the community. And I was going to buy all these things for the participants and ship them to Nigeria, blah, blah, blah. Had all this stuff planned out in my head. What I didn't know is that pulling off such an event when you're not in the country where the event will be happening is a bit challenging, but it can be done if you have a few things in place, right? You got a local partner, you have a sustainable project, and you have financial support. You guys are probably thinking, well, duh, financial support, of course. Well, I didn't realize the amount of financial support I would need. This trip was self-funded. I did not have any government funding. I did work with a local nonprofit that volunteered um, some of their assets, like the projector, you know, the local nonprofit knew, you know, people that we can contact for decorations. They had somebody to run around and find a venue. And so I worked with them. It was a, it's called Legendly. It was a, it is a gender rights nonprofit headed by a man, no less. Kudos to that guy, Dr. Amanem Aguabio. Awesome. So, that's what I so that's what I worked with what I wanted to do is I wanted to find a way to use my skills and experience to you know give back and so I sat down and I thought about it and I said hmm what are you good at you know what do you have a lot of exposure to that would benefit this community that you're going into and I had worked in Nigeria uh, a few years ago and from speaking to a few of the different employers, 
One of the things that the employers would lament about is that sometimes when graduates start, most times, let me not say sometimes, most of the time when graduates start work, they just don't have the requisite skills that are needed to go, you know, just to just hit the ground running. And that could be social skills to communication skills to word processing skills. They just differed to digital skills. And so I said to myself, self, wouldn't it be good if you could take all this feedback that you've been getting and you could compile it into some sort of presentation and you could give this to the community. I was going to be in Akwaibom, which is a state in Nigeria. And so I really wanted to give the young people that were going to be attending the presentation kind of an idea of what these skills are that employers are looking for. Because depending on the city that you live in, you might be completely out of the loop. If you live in a small town in, you know, southeastern Nigeria, you might not necessarily know that federal employers in the capital city of Abuja value digital skills. You're like, whoa, that's that's so forth thinking. So that's what I did. And so we talked about uh, workplace preparedness. We had a Microsoft uh, skill session and we talked about, you know, resume presentation, CV presentation, things like that. And the intention was to really give these young people kind of a step up, right? That because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know somebody, so I can't get this job. And I believe that, okay, yes, knowing somebody would, would be nice. But if you don't, there's a way you can sell yourself. There was not sell yourself as in, hey, come and buy me. You know, come and buy me and do what you will with me. No. But there's a way you can package yourself in such that people would be willing to pay for the skills that you are presenting to them in this package, aka your cover letter and your CV or resume. So that's what we did. And it was the thing that I liked so much about the event was seeing how wonderfully the information was received. It was people were hungry for information. And I didn't realize that. I just thought I'm going to do this small, quote unquote, small event. And, you know, people are going to come out and I'm going to give this infant, give them this information, give them these, you know, give them the resources, you know, go through kind of a practical, you know, tips and tricks with them on Microsoft. I'm going to have a mentorship group and I'm going to send them on their way. But I didn't expect that the level of hunger that they had for the information would be so deep. I mean, people were asking, when are you guys coming back again? Which quite frankly broke my heart because I said to myself, (laughs) I said, guys, I didn't even say it to myself. I told them straight up. I said, guys, these events are not cheap. So I would love to come back again. You know, we just have to think about how we're going to get funding. But they're like, please come back. You know, we love this information. It's so helpful. A lot of things that they didn't know. I mean, something that we would consider, you know, common, right? They, they didn't know. And I, when I say they, I don't mean everybody. But that was, you know, a lot of people were like, I, I, I didn't know the difference between a CV and a resume. I didn't know that you know, there are these websites that you can go and apply for jobs in Nigeria. And I didn't know there's so many, so many things. And so it was really, 
it really made up for me missing out on the service trip in May. I felt I felt a lot better. But you know, these are this is this that was a highlight of my trip. It didn't come without its challenges, though. I mean, Nigeria, as most of you guys know, is wrought with lack of infrastructure, which means in no electric infrastructure. So electricity was a challenge, naturally. Thank goodness we had a local nonprofit that we worked with and they were able to connect us with, you know, somebody that could <laughs> fix the gen because the place we had the event at, the venue we had the place at, uh, venue we had the event at, they needed somebody to fix the gen and they weren't going to fix the gen. They didn't have the money to fix the gen. So you had to get somebody to fix the gen and, you know, buy fuel or fuel as, you know, it's commonly said in Nigeria. And so all these, you know, all these, all these issues, somebody had to connect the you know the light to for the gen to have the electricity come on so that to take it off from the um the local electric provider network and connect it to the gen it was guys like that's just one thing i mean getting people to come to the conference at the beginning was an issue and maybe maybe an issue is not the right, right word it was a challenge because once again going back to my extreme state of delusion i live in the United States. If somebody registers for a conference and uh, it's it's a, if it's a free conference, they may or may not come. But if somebody registers for a conference when there's no, you know, health pandemic going on, like, I don't know, the coronavirus. But if you register for a conference and if it's something that you've expressed interest in time and time again, you know, you, you probably would will attend. Um, maybe there's a 25% likelihood that you would not. I I bake this 25% likelihood into, you know, opening up registration. We said only open a registration to the first 100 registrants. Luckily, I was working with a local partner. And that's where, this is where local partner comes in. Because they can they know the realities of doing projects in that region. They can realistically tell you that although you want to open up registration to only 100 people and close it afterwards... You'll probably need to register 135 people and plan for almost half of them not to attend or show up, even though they'll register. And if, you know, in the beginning, I'm like, that's impossible. That's too many people. He said, look, <laughs> I've done these events before. This is how it is. And well, by golly, wouldn't you know, we registered over 125 people and just about half did not show up luckily for him and for me because he was also speaking at this presentation luckily for him we knew some last minute people that he had gotten together the week before he said you know we'll probably need more than 125 people let's get some more people from he has a mentorship group and so he got some more people from his mentorship group to you know come out to the presentation he's a professor at the local university university of uyo and so some of his students also came out to the presentation as well. And so they benefited from it as well. They, they thought it was a lovely presentation. And so for me, that was great feedback. But, you know, in light of all those challenges, you're probably thinking, oh, look, I'm fun. Why would you even want to do an event of this magnitude? I say magnitude because in my head, it, when I thought about it, I was like, oh, 100 people is a small event. Not knowing the many steps that went into it. I mean, from advertising to, you know, 
getting a graphics guy to design the graphics, communicating with the graphics guy, getting money to the graphics guy, having the graphics guy redo what he had done because it wasn't what I had wanted, so on and so forth. And that is just advertising. And then you have food because I said, I'm going to provide some food. And, you know, finding the right caterer, uh, haggling with the caterer for the right price. And that part wasn't too, too bad. That part was a little bit easier said than done. But, you know, all the all these other little miscellaneous stuff that if you had somebody there in the local country dealing and interfacing with all these people, it would save you so much stress. Because let me tell you, once you get on that phone and if it's a graphics guy in Lagos and they hear, you know, the American accent, naturally your price goes up. Of course, if it's a graphics guy anywhere, your price goes up. My frustration was, you know, in the town that I had this event, you know, it's more of a laid back kind of vibe, different from Lagos. So I'm like, look, we got this graphic guy in this small town, we knew you. And he's just kind of, he did it. He wound up doing the job. But I'm like, dude, very kind of laissez-faire attitude. But the Lagos graphics guy that I had reached out to, he was a hustler. He, he wanted, you know, full payment up front. He was going to deliver within a week. And he was just hustling. But... Thanks to the local partner. He said, look, work with this local guy that we have. He's not going to demand full payment. You know, you don't want to in Nigeria. Not really. I can't really say Nigeria, but maybe it's in different places. But I'm speaking for Nigeria. Before the service is done, I'm not going to pay you 100% of it because then I can't really. I won't really. Not that you can guarantee the quality of the service. But if you do a crappy job, I've already paid you. So my local partner was like, look, don't do that, which I, I didn't want to do in the first place. So in all these little, you know, little nuts and bolts that need tightening and screwing that you can't do by yourself when you're planning an event in another country, why would you want to go through all this? Well, why did I want to go through all this? It was just my way of giving back. And I had to find a way, like I said, to use my skills and experience to do something that was relevant and that was going to be relevant to the people there. I wanted to find and do find and do a sustainable project or program. And by sustainable, I mean something that doesn't require you to be there after the event is done in order for, for the participants to feel the impact after the event. So they get the benefits before, I'm sorry, to get the benefits during the event. And then after you're gone, they still have the benefits of what you just put on, whether it's a seminar or presentation or what have you. I will say right now, I just said, and then can use two conjunctions in a row. It's one of my pet peeves, but here I am saying it. So to the grammar people out there, I apologize. And moving on. So that is what I wanted to do is do something where people can say in five years, I attended this presentation and this is what I got out of it. And so that's how I came up with this kind of, you know, workplace skills, resume slash Microsoft presentation. And you can, you're probably asking yourself, okay, that's what you want to, you want to go through that for this altruistic reason. Sure. But what really can come out of an event like this? Like, what are the other benefits for you, the person that's hosting it, uh, to that can come out of such an event? Because when you're dropping all that money, I probably spent 
close to it. I mean, not say close to over a thousand dollars putting on this event. And apart from just feeling warm and fuzzy, you know, like Jesus is going to give you a lollipop kind of feeling. What other benefits can come out of you doing such an event? Well, I'm going to tell you guys. I mean, I think there's a few of them. For one, once people hear about your trip that are in the local country, the people that are in the local country will, for those that do hear about it and that can, they might come to you and say, hey, I want to be a part of this this thing that you're hosting. How can I get involved? And in fact, we did have a law firm that reached out to us when they heard about the event that we were hosting or that we were going to be hosting. They reached out to us and they said, hey, we want to do something for the you know, law students in the city where you guys are hosting this event. And so, you know, he, you know, talked to his people, but we just didn't have enough time to plan the event. But it was just nice knowing that, hey, people actually like this kind of thing. Of course, the local partner that I was with, he loved it. And the people, the other organizations that he works with, you know, everybody wants it would be, it would have been nice. They're like, you should have told us this before we would have joined in, you know, we would have contributed somehow. And so it's just nice knowing that you have the support of the local community in that, in that sense. That's, that's, that's one benefit I can come to you. Another benefit, opportunities to mentor the participants if you're into that kind of thing. And I think that if you can mentor somebody after such an event like this, at least one that I had, you know, you can kind of track their progress, encourage them along the path of, you know, keep doing this, give them, you know, more resources, tips and tricks, whatever you want to call it. And you can just kind of be still build on that foundation that you laid when you had the event, which is what we're actually doing now. We have a mentorship group. It's on WhatsApp and it's not as active as I would like it to be. I'm the one that's kind of pushing the activity. I think there's a lot of People will talk to me one-on-one, but not necessarily in the group setting, but at least I know they're connecting with me one-on-one. So that's still okay with me. And then the other thing, you know, it's a good, I think it's a good branding tool. Let's be honest. If you're looking to build some sort of service profile, this is putting on an event like this is great. Then again, let's be honest. There are way, way, way less expensive ways of accomplishing the goal of building a service profile. So (laughs) let this not be (laughs) your first go-to. There are many, many ways you can do it, Um, which we'll not get into. We can get into that in another show. But, you know, these, these are kind of the, this is the way, the one way that I found that I can contribute to the motherland from afar. And that is to plan a one day service project. I will say If you want to embark on this, I'm going to reiterate this again. I'm going to reiterate this again. And I'm going to reiterate this again. And I'm going to reiterate this again. I'm sorry, you guys. I just couldn't resist doing that. (laughs) Because it's so important. Please make sure you work with a local company or reputable uh, nonprofit. Make sure you have a local partner on the ground that will help you plan out this event. You know, tie up the nuts and bolts associated with the event. Uh, because they will, quite frankly, help everything go so much more smoother. Also, aim to host an event that has immediate benefit and will also have lasting benefit after, you know, the event is all said and done, even after you leave, which means that it's it's a sustainable, right? It's a sustainable event. That's what I call it, sustainable event. 
I enjoyed it. I would do it again. Uh, I learned a lot. (laughs) I learned that it's not so easy to bring the grand visions and goals that you have in your mind to fruition. And quite frankly, had I realized early on that this small service project that I wanted to do would turn into maybe one of such magnitude in terms of planning and money, I didn't spend tens of thousands. I didn't spend tens of thousands of dollars on it. Yes. No, I did not. But for let for about 70 people, I mean, that's a lot of money. Would I have embarked on it? Maybe not. Let's be honest. I probably wouldn't have. But I'm glad sometimes ignorance, I'm not going to say ignorance is bliss, but ignorance of the challenges of your desire can you being unaware, right, can keep you from even stopping yourself from starting that project. That was a whole lot of words. What I really meant to say is, if you don't know the ish that you're going to get into, then you are more than likely going to still go ahead and plan it out and deal with the ish as it comes. That's really what I should have said, but you know, it happens sometimes. So that's what I did, y'all. Hope y'all got something from that. Please feel free to reach out to me with questions and comments. You all know I like to close with a goodbye in a language other than English. So I'm going to do that today. But before that, I will say you can reach out on our Instagram page at No Hot Smoke. Or you can drop a message on our Facebook page. Or if you feel so inclined, you can reach out to me personally. And you can find me online. I'll leave it to you guys to, you know, find find that on Instagram. But I'm just going to thank you guys for listening. And I'm going to encourage those of you that have the passion, hankering. Hankering is really for food, but, you know, that kind of have the urge to plan a trip or an event in a different African country and you're not living there. It's possible. You just have to set up certain structures before you dive headfirst. And if you have a lot of financial support, it will be so much easier. So that's, you know, give you give yourself some time to come up with that. My mother tongue is Ibibio. And I'm going to tell you guys, close out with saying, Demba, which in Ibibio loosely means stay well. So until next time, stay well and stay blessed. Thumbah.